Chromosomes. Little strands of nucleic acids and proteins are the fundamental genetic instructions that tell us who we are at birth. Most people are born with 46 chromosomes, but each year in the United States, about 6,000 people are born with an extra chromosome, making them a person with Down syndrome. If you've ever encountered someone with Down syndrome, you know that they are some of the kindest, most joyful people you will ever meet. They truly have something extra. My name is Lisa Nichols, and I have spent the last 24 years as both the CEO of Technology Partners and as the mother to Allie. Allie has something extra in every sense of the word. I have been blessed to be by her side as she impacts everyone she meets. Through these two important roles as CEO and mother to Allie, I have witnessed countless life lessons that have fundamentally changed the way I look at the world. While you may not have an extra chromosome, every leader has something extra that defines who you are. Join me as I explore the something extra in leaders from all walks of life and discover how that difference in each of them has made a difference in their companies, their families, their communities, and in themselves. I'm thrilled to have Dr. Mary Jo Gorman on the show today. Mary Jo is the CEO of Healthy Bites, a tech-enabled services company in the nutrition market. Mary Jo, I am so excited that we were able to make this work. Thank you so much for making the time today to be on the show. Well, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Lisa. We're going to have fun. You're in St. Louis. I'm in St. Louis. You've done a stint in New York, but we did not meet each other in St. Louis. Do you remember where we met? <laughs> yes, we met at Ernst & Young, now EY, Strategic Growth Forum in California, uh, which is, it was a great event and it's a great organization and it really celebrates entrepreneurs. So it was fun to meet another great entrepreneur from St. Louis when I met you. It was so much fun. And I'm like, I cannot believe that we had to come all the way to California to actually meet one another. But I have just admired you and everything that you've done. And I just remember coming back from that trip and you're like, Lisa, you have to come over and see Advanced ICU. And I was blown away by what you had built there. But let's back up just a little bit, Mary Jo. Just tell a little bit about how you grew up. So I grew up in Illinois in a very large family. I'm the oldest in the family. And we grew up outside of Springfield, Illinois. So downstate, as they say. I always tell people that I feel like a lot of my formation is my parents, which really influenced us about education. And they always said, you should use your brain and help people. So I took that very literally, and I became a physician. We had a lot going on in my family, a lot of kids, a lot happening. It was just a great learning experience, actually, in leadership, especially being the oldest. Mm -hmm. So when you say large family, how many siblings do you have? So I have six younger siblings, but my parents are really dedicated to nurturing children. So we also took care of foster children and just had a lot of activity around the house, around children. Oh, I love that. Well, I guess too, being the oldest, you very early age probably learned what it meant to help. That's exactly <laughs> right. People. Yep. That's right. Your mom had to have you help, right? To we all were helpers. Yeah. Well, that what a great way to grow up. That is wonderful. I'm glad to hear that about you because I did not know that part of your background. But you did go on to become a doctor and a physician. And how long did you practice, Mary Jo? For about 20 years. 
So in one of my early jobs, I felt like we could do a better job taking care of patients in the intensive care unit. So with a partner, I formed a medical group that took care of patients in the ICU. And so it's not that unusual for a doctor to start a medical group. That's actually pretty common. And that led me to realize I didn't know anything about business. And so I got my MBA at WashU while I was in that position and then just kind of continued to explore and start other companies after that. Right. I love that story because what we want to tell young people is it's okay to pivot. And a lot of people do once you get out there. But you saw a need and you said, I think we can do this in a different way. And if I recall, Mary Jo, you're one of the first like that in the country. Right. The medical group that I started, which was in the 90s, that was one of the first medical groups for intensivists. That's the name of doctors who take care of patients in the intensive care unit. From there, I started a company that was in the hospitalist space. And so that was a local St. Louis company. It was the first company to do that in St. Louis and maybe in the Midwest. I sold that to a company in California. And that company is where I learned to be part of a senior management team at a much different, higher level. I learned about venture capital and how that worked and how to really build a multi-state medical group. So that was a great experience at IPC. And from there, I applied those learnings back to the ICU, combining technology to start advanced ICU care, which is here in Creve Corps in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Very good. And it still is a going concern today. And yes. it's fascinating. Yes. So, you know, as I think too about your career, I feel like you have already always operated kind of where healthcare and technology intersect. I think more as things have gone on, partly because technology has changed. I mean, when I started, we were writing everything on paper, We had those tube systems in the hospital. So you'd send your lab work through the tube system. And we had printers at some point, right, at the nursing stations that would print out results. But as everything else, right, technology has just transformed all kinds of businesses. And it's certainly transformed healthcare. For sure. And we'll continue to do so, I believe. Then you moved in, and this is where I got to know you even more is when you partnered for Prosper Capital and the Prosper Women's Accelerator, if you will. Tell us a little bit. I think that was about 2014. That's exactly right. So one of the things that was interesting when I left Advanced ICU Care, I learned a lot more. I mean, I had raised venture capital money there and had really good experience with my venture partners, but I didn't actually have any understanding that women raised very little venture capital. And so as I learned more about that and I learned the struggles for women in getting capital to grow their businesses, whether it's venture capital or bank capital or or that sort of thing, and even more of an issue for women of color, that really intrigued me. So a group of us got together and decided we would raise a little fund. We raised $3 million and we invested that in 29 women-led companies specifically there. And one of the goals besides the funding was to be able to expand the network of the women because how you advance really does depend a lot on your network. So we wanted to bring to them through a group of really dedicated women and men in St. Louis to try to find people who could advise them, help them, 
find them access to things they might not otherwise have access to. Yeah, I want to back up for a minute. So you said access to capital for women. They just don't have the access. So there is a study that had come out, a report, and it said the number of businesses in the United States increased by 51%. The number of women-owned firms increased by 74%. And they are bringing like $3 trillion into the economy and revenues. But I think at the time of this report, which just is a few years old, they only see about 1% of the capital infusion. That's right. I don't know the answer for that. There's been a lot of studies about why that happens. But one of the things we have been trying to do is call attention to that and help people see that there are lots of great businesses started by women that have a lot of opportunity and should be attracting capital. Yes, and you certainly have been a trailblazer in that area. So let me go back now to Prosper. And I think you kind of alluded to this, but one of the things, not only did you want to help women have access to the capital, but there are a few other things that you guys did. One is providing programming access to a network of experts, because that connection, sometimes women have the great idea and they may have the capital infusion, but if they do not have that network, if they don't even know who to lean into, I've got an issue with marketing or people (laughs) building teams. I mean, that is just as valuable. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that I certainly have made this mistake in my career, and I think that others have as well. You try to solve all these problems with just you yourself sitting in your office or sitting at your desk and you're thinking, thinking, thinking. There are many people who, if you just said, I'm struggling with this problem, whether it's capital raising people, marketing strategy, can you give me 30 minutes and I can explain what the issue is and could you give me your input? Mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, you're the decision maker, you're the leader, but you can get more inputs and I think better inputs that stimulates my thinking in a different way Yes, that I believe that I get a better decision. But if you don't know who to call or you don't even know where to start, that makes it even harder. So to your point, really trying to bring people into their environment who are willing to have those conversations, I think is a big value add. I totally agree. And I think what you guys put together with Prosper, you were trying to do all of those things. And I think that was a little bit of a different take on it than other possible venture capital firms out there. I also know that you were setting up mastermind groups and all kinds of things. Jennifer Allen was very involved in this as well, Mary Jo, as you know. You and I talked about this a little bit. There was a Forbes article I was just reading this morning, and the title of it is The Power of the Pack. Women who support women are more successful. And I know this resonates with you. It resonates with me as well. This article says, I always say a woman alone has power, but collectively we have impact. Traditionally, we've been taught to be competitive because of the scarcity of higher level jobs. But really what we have found is that strategy doesn't work so well. The collaboration and women lifting women up is so important. And we have found that truly there's so much more power there when we do that. Well, I think sometimes, depending on your work environment, which is really different for everybody, and corporate is very different than entrepreneurship. But the fact is there are already patterns that exist in all of these areas 
that you need to sort of find your way through for lack of a better word. And I think that the idea that the pie is only one size is fundamentally the wrong idea. I mean, capitalism is about growing the pie, right? By creating something, you employ more people that helps their families, that helps their communities. So, you know, you're really growing the pie. And that's how I think of it. If I can reach out to somebody and connect them to somebody or give them an idea that helps them. And to me, it doesn't really matter if it's men or women or whatever, but having that resource and being that resource to other people, I think it just keeps growing the pie for all of us. So I would encourage everybody who thinks that it's too competitive and they either shouldn't ask for help or they're unwilling to give help, maybe just rethink that because at the end of the day, it all comes back around and it really does grow things bigger. It's hard in any field where it's male dominated, which a lot of fields are now, a lot of rooms still don't have many women in them or many people of color. And we know that that lone voice does not get heard. But if you can collaborate with other people in your team or other people on the board you might be on or other entrepreneurs, whatever is in your environment so that you can amplify what you want to say, we know that works. Absolutely. And that makes it all better for everybody. Yeah. And I love that title, The Power of the Pack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you're exactly. the lone. We don't want to be the lone wolf out there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, so St. Louis really, truly is an amazing startup community. Agreed. The rest of the world may not really even realize, but what do you believe makes our startup scene so special here? I think one of the things is that we have sort of an open door policy for people people. I can't think of ever turning somebody down. If they wanted a 30 minute phone call, I'm sure the same is for you. And I've had the same for me. I reach out to somebody and said, would you connect with this person just for a short phone call? I've never had anybody say no. And I think that everybody's willing to do that. And if there's a way they can help by give you an idea, connect you to a resource, they're willing to do it. And that I think is unique. We say we'll take a meeting. We actually mean it in St. Louis. <laughs> I could not agree more. And we know the studies also show St. Louis in terms of money given and generosity. We are one of the most philanthropic. I don't know what the stat is now, but I know at one time we were the fifth largest in the nation, but we're certainly not the fifth largest metro. But to your point, you know, we can give our treasure, but we can also give our time and our talents. And I think we're philanthropic in that way, too. So I agree with you. Yep. Well, Mary Jo, we've got a lot more to talk about, but we need to take a quick break. And then we'll be right back with Mary Jo Gorman. Are you a rising IT leader? Could you benefit from a network of like-minded peers? Let me introduce you to the St. Louis Technology Leadership Experience. This one-of-a-kind program gathers cohorts of IT professionals for three workshops, peer small group problem solving, one-on-one -on -one mentoring by IT executives, and multiple networking events. You will be prepared for your next steps as an IT leader by gaining core leadership competencies and a strong, powerful network of peers. To apply for our next TechLX cohort, visit tpi.co slash TLX. So Mary Jo, we've got a lot more to talk about, but you and I just recently were made aware there, there is a study that was done by Seek Capital, and this is so exciting for me, and I know it, it is for you too, and yes. something that, that we need to celebrate. This study said 45.2% of the startups in the last two years in St. Louis have a woman at the top, 
And 85% of those made it to the second year. That's fabulous. And that is the highest in the nation. The one that's in second place is Austin. And I think that was at 32%. So not even close to where we are. So that is exciting. Very exciting. Hopefully that's a result of a lot of the efforts that have been made here. But Prosper, of course, Jen Elin has made tons of efforts with Brazen Global, the Arch Grants. We've got a huge community of people that are trying to identify opportunity and, you know, move people along. So I'm glad our collective efforts are making a difference. It is making a difference. And it's important for the economic impact. There's just so much there, the ripple effect of all of that. Yes. With employment and all sorts of things. And That's exciting. So what do you believe are some of those traits that make an entrepreneur successful? So that if there are people out there that are thinking, or maybe they're in the early stage, what are those things that they need to be focused on to help make their startup successful? Well, so it's interesting you ask that because we actually worked with CMA here in town to identify what are the traits that make an entrepreneur successful. And so those could be the things that you'd say you're sort of born with. But one of them is critical thinking, which, of course, evolves through your grade school and high school and really into your middle 20s. So that's important. You've got to have some good critical thinking skills and you also have to have perseverance. So as you know, it is a hard way to go if you want to be an entrepreneur. And so you've got to be able to keep going and keep trying to move forward if you're going to get to success because that whole idea of overnight success doesn't really exist. (laughs) But having said that, there are lots of areas that you can grow in, right? You can always grow in your leadership skills, you can always grow in how do I meet new people that can you know, be part of my network or help me solve problems. So there's a lot that I believe commit to sort of growing in as well to build on whatever natural traits you were given and you've developed. And so it really is a combination of things to do that. And that's why I think St. Louis is so favorable for women, because there are a lot of resources. There are a lot of people, as you mentioned earlier, who are willing to help, who are willing to try to point you in the right direction. Uh, You still got to do the work, but those kind of things make it maybe based on these numbers, a little more of a nurturing environment for entrepreneurship here. I agree. So important. Well, I want to pivot into what you're doing today because I think you are in a really exciting space today. So you are now the CEO of Healthy Bites. And you and I have talked a little bit about this and nutrition and these things are so important to our overall well-being. So I love what you're doing and coming from a doctor, you know, you're coming from that perspective, the clinician side too. Tell about that, what you guys are doing so our listeners can find out more. Well, I'm really excited to be at Healthy Bites. And if I think about my career starting mostly in the intensive care unit, where we saw people who sometimes through the many choices they had made ended up needing the care in the ICU. And by the time you're that sick and you're there, what we can do for you is a little limited when I say the medical team, right? And so to be on this part of the continuum for people to think about how do I take better care of myself so I never have to be in an ICU, hopefully, a lot of that starts with how we eat and what we eat. Our registered dietitians are a terrific team who have had college educations, special training, special licensing, and they can engage with people around where do they need to make changes to get themselves to a healthier life. 
you know, how you eat and what you eat matters, how much energy you have, how much focus you have, has some effects on mood, those sort of things. And so I'm just excited that we can be in a situation where we can try to help connect people to that kind of resource. And I love your model. So it's really the B2B, the business to business to the C. So explain that a little bit and how you guys are going about getting Healthy Bites out there. So we are calling on the benefits manager or the HR department at an employer. Almost every benefit plan has a benefit for the employee to engage with a registered dietitian, and it's covered by their insurance plan. But most people don't even know that they have that benefit or how to use it. By partnering with the employer and collaborating around communicating this to the employee, that's really how we drive success for the business. And so when that employee decides to have a visit with my registered dietitian, then our revenue stream comes from sending in that claim into the insurance company. So we help the employer by helping them bring something that their employee will appreciate doesn't cost the employer more money than they're already spending because we know employers have a lot of things that they have to manage. And it helps the employee because this is usually covered by their benefit plan and helps them realize some things that can hopefully help their life and help them be a better employee. Is technology helping people get healthier or (laughs) there's some schools of thought out there on that too, but how do you see technology playing a role in this? Well, there's a lot of technology, as you well know, everywhere, right? So all the way from the Fitbit to the apps to whatever it is. So some of those things are useful because some of it is developing new habits. So if you can develop a new habit and you can at least try to think of these goals, in some cases we hear everybody talk about their 10,000 steps, or if it's reminding you to drink more water or make some food choice that's better for you or help you do meal planning. So you don't take that quick stop at the fast food. So there are ways that technology can support the behavior changes people are trying to make, but it's clearly not a panacea. There's no real miracles happening around that. And so I encourage people to experiment. You know, you have this goal, figure out what those things are, whether it's technology or other cues that help you develop those new patterns, because you have a lot of choices now to try to make those things happen for yourself. I love what you said. It's really habits. Replacing a bad habit with a good habit. (laughs) And if you can do that along the way, then the outcome is just going to be better. That's right. So I'd love for you to think about maybe a something extra that you have seen in a team member or a coach. It could be a parent in the past. What do you think that something extra was in them that made them just an incredible person? So I love a team member who knows a part of the business that I may not know as well, and then has this insight and then takes the initiative to bring that to the team. And we actually had an employee recently who had some insights about how they thought we could help some growth. And so she came to us, she said, why don't we try this? What do you think about that? And she'd already thought about what are some of the steps we would need to do to do that. So that ability to, you know, take that extra initiative and be brave enough, raise your hand. I've got an idea. So we all kind of kicked that around and we have executed on that idea. So I love that, you know, people will come forward with something that they thought of and really make that contribution. Yes. Well, and and I just know you and I know that you've created that kind of culture that gives people the permission to do that. Mary Jo, and I think that's a very good leadership tenant too, right? Because 
you know, in some cases, the culture may be that if it's not a good idea, I may get penalized. But, you know, that's not how we're going to be the best. That's right. doesn't mean there aren't bad ideas, but you should still have a conversation about it. Yes, absolutely. So what do you believe is the something extra that every leader needs, no matter who you are? It's so important that everybody who leads recognizes that everybody on their team is contributing. If they're not contributing, they shouldn't be on your team. <laughs> but, <laughs> yes. but everybody makes a contribution. And I really kind of learned that lesson at Advanced ICU Care because we had these clinicians doing this amazing work. And then we would have people who might be in the department where they're, maybe they're in the accounting department or they're in the tech department or even doing credentialing or things like that. And they're like, well, my role isn't important. But if all of those people don't make their contribution, our clinicians couldn't have done their work. Sure. And so trying to articulate for people, this is how you fit into the collective effort, I think is really important to better results. And I think it gives people that kind of understanding like, yeah, we would miss you if you didn't show up today. You are doing something for us here. I just really hope that people will think a little more broadly and deeply about everybody's contribution because it all really matters. You're exactly right. So Mary Jo, is there something that you want to tell our audience to let them know about and how they can get involved? So I would love to put in another pitch here for Healthy Bites. We are here in St. Louis now. The company was moved here from New York. And anybody who's in the benefits part of your company as an employer or in the HR department, I'd love you to reach out and we'd be happy to tell you what we can offer and connect to your employees. If you are just looking for a registered dietitian and you want to have those conversations, somebody to help you on your, your nutrition journey, you can go to our website, which is healthybitesinc.com, and you can make an appointment from there or you can have a conversation with us. Very good. Well, you know, I was just thinking as you and I were talking, that old adage, an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. And what we put in our bodies is so important, right? And if we will take the time to get that right <laughs> and to be as healthy as we can, hopefully in the future, you know, we're not going to have as many health issues. I mean, that's not always the case because obviously with genetics and that. Yeah, I do think that that's a disservice for people to sort of point fingers at other people with health problems and say, oh, if they ate better, because that is not true in many, many cases. Exactly. But we do have a lot of areas that we can make ourselves better, stay around for our kids and our grandkids and, you know, just show up in a different way. Yeah. So let's focus on what we can control. That's right. <laughs> All right. Very good. Well, Mary Jo, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for making the time to be on the show today. I know that it's really going to help our listeners. Thank you so much, Lisa. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Thank you for listening to today's show. Something Extra with Lisa Nichols is a Technology Partners production. Copyright Technology Partners, Inc., 2019. For show notes or to reach Lisa, visit tpi.co slash podcast. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen.